Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cocky Top Podcast, home of the SEC football show where forever to the Gamecock Brian Lowe and all the all Tyler McDaniel put their friendship to the test during a grueling football season, all while highlighting and fighting for their volunteers and Gamecocks, respectively, throughout their season, as well as our thoughts on other teams in the conference, as well as the league. So regardless if you're a volunteer or a Gamecock or somewhere in between, let's kick this thing off and talk some ball. What's up all you cock and balls and welcome to another episode of the Cocky Top Podcast. I am forever to the Gamecock and always joining me is all ball T-Mac Tyler McDaniel. What's going on T-Mac? Oh, not a lot. It is Friday, uh, the end of our week and the beginning of our football weekend. Yes, a lot of games going on this weekend. Of course, professional football last night. You had the Bucks and the Bills. Josh Allen remains undefeated on Thursday night football as it stands in his short-lived professional football career up to this point. But I was hoping for a little bit more out of the Buccaneers uh, considering I have both Rashad White and Mike Evans, uh, different leagues respectively uh, as far as the fantasy football. But nonetheless, you know, I wanted to make sure to try to get as many points as I possibly could out of mm-hmm. this game. Since we are getting to a, a deeper point in the season, um, not only in collegiate uh, football, uh, but also professional football, um, some of your your um, league frontrunners or division frontrunners are starting to, to become more evident um, but, of course, more so in the ranks of college football. And that, of course, is what this show is, is an SEC football podcast. But we also mm-hmm. wind up talking about some other football, not only uh, collegiate and different conferences, different divisions, uh, but as well as throwing in a little tidbit here and there for the ranks of, of the professionals, the pros. Um, because, you know, eventually some of these guys that we're talking about are going to be professionals. A huge yeah. quarterback draft class this year. Um, but the main story that's going on right now, of course, is what's happening in and around Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines for the most part with what is now, I guess, being Oof. referred to as Signal Gate. Yes. Um, that has also found its way uh, into the message boards of uh, Tennessee fans as well as Clemson fans alike in, in terms of um, being another another way to justify what happened against South Carolina at the end of last season. Um, well, if you can do that, you can justify it against anybody. True, true. You uh, could very say true. that they also sold it to um, Austin P. That's why they played us so well. Right. They sold them to uh, Georgia years ago. That's why Georgia's the number one team. Yes. And and one and of the Michigan's ironically number two. And one of the yes, <laughs> right. And one of the main arguments right now is a situation to where everybody is basically coming out almost like nil, saying every team does it. If you're not doing something to gain some sort of competitive edge above having, you know, the bigger, stronger, faster players, mm-hmm. if you're evenly matched in terms of talent, then what's the next logical thing to do is to get you know, as best of a guess as you can based off the information that you have as to what type of play that they're going to be playing. And that's the same thing as watching film week in and week out whenever you're studying for a game plan. Part of the game plan is figuring out partially what kind of signals are signaling, you know. Oh, if you're a defensive coordinator and you're not watching, 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 obsessing over QB looks, calls... The way the running backs lined up, you're, you're a terrible defensive quarterback. Right, you're not doing your job at that point. So, what we have to find a straight dividing line on and what's part of the game, and that's where it's illegal. Comes down to is more a morality mm-hmm. than anything else. Like, yeah, it's you know, really like an unwritten morality thing. Like, it's, dude, come on, it's like, that should be that should be a no-brainer that you can't just show up. It practices and stuff. It's it's n- not completely unlike 
the litmus test of the shopping cart. Yes. Like, there's not really anything necessarily bad that's going to happen. I mean, we may find out if something bad happens, but it still has to be proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that it was an egregious account of mm-hmm. of going in and doing this type of stuff. But even still then, if you're scouting teams, you're scouting teams, What? where's the illegalities of it? You know what I mean? Unless they're profiting off of trying to sell this to other teams and then, you know... Yes. That, that yes, has a questionable, you know, but as far as just going in trying to to scout a team, you know. Scouting has never been illegal. There's never been a blatant, like, this is illegal. Yeah, it just comes down to morality after that. And then, like I was saying. No, the selling of it, that's where the illegality. It's kind of like, you know, everyone knew what Capone was doing was illegal. Right. But they got him on tax evasion. Right. Like, yeah, but that's actually illegal. Right. Like, that's federally illegal. Like, that's that's where we can get them. Right. So they have to... Because they couldn't prove yeah. the other stuff. It's like, well, if Michigan's doing it, then that's what it is, what it is. But if they get caught selling the information, right. that's where we get them. And so, that's where some of these wild accusations are coming in that, yeah. that the, the Gamecocks had, had to have paid... Or had to have well, gotten these. Well, I kind of want to say, like, well, damn it, we're a blue blood school. We got the money. Why didn't we buy them? Right? <laughs> you know, like, if we're going to use that excuse, I'd be more mad that our, 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 and you our know, coaches it's, didn't it's, buy them. It's, <laughs> it's funny that you mention that because that was one of the things that, and there's several people, several, you know, national media types that cover the sport said the exact, I mean, one of the guys on Craning Company said the exact same thing. Like, <laughs> I, as Who a fan, I'd kind of be I'd kind of be pissed in the fact yeah. that if if that my coach wasn't you okay. know if Beamer bought these things, why are you mad at Beamer and not Heupel or who our president is or who our you know AD is or you know right? Are you really mad at them or are you mad at the fact that we didn't right? Like that's and then just and there's having no, to there is absolutely zero proof. Right. Zero proof out there that South Carolina purchased this. No, no, there's none. It's just hearsay. It's it, every single bit of it. It's all hearsay. hearsay. It's ridiculous. And unfortunately, that's something that that people latch onto. But yes, especially whenever you're trying to justify something that in your mind Shouldn't should have not have yeah. happened in any capacity. Yeah. So. I'm telling you. The fringe it's, it's of a, football fans. It was an easier excuse being a football fan, really hard. Yes, it, it it was an easier reason to cling to than just they played better. Than they played better, or that Tennessee wasn't cohesive, yeah. or that yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it's easier to admit the, the un the the wrong any given Saturday of yeah. that other than. Uh, it's our fault. Right. You know, it's, and it is. It's very hard. Like, I mean, not even in football. It is so hard. Like, even, like, when you have to step outside yourself, like, with a, a friend or a family member, and you realize, wow, I'm at fault. Right. It's hard. Mm-hmm. Because you have to kind of, uh, I used to say, uh, the way I word it is, you got to kind of kill part of yourself. Right. Part of that pride. Yes. And uh, it's hard for a lot of insane because like we're football fans yeah but we're not insane we're not fanatics yes we're not fanatics it's hard for fanatics to kill that pride yes it is your team could suck you could be Vandy and I'm sure there are a lot of Vandy fans who have so many other reasons why they suck other than the fact that they don't have the players or the coaches Right. There are probably some fan, Vandy fans who are like, well, it's the refs, or well, the wind was bad, or well, it's the construction site. But a majority of fans, whenever it comes to Vandy football, know we're not. It's. I mean, it's kind of like what I we're said. We're changing the future, not the game of football. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's kind of like what I said early uh, in the very early because we're mm-hmm. still early in the in the tenure of oh, what the cocky top, top podcast, podcast <laughs> would be. Um, trying to make a reference, like I said this years ago. No, this was just <laughs> a few weeks back. Um, 
and the uh, one of the reasons that I am a Gamecock fan is because we are perennially a seven and five, eight and four. Yeah, you know, it's it's not world beater type programs. It's yeah. not a full fledged blue blood program, and we have the opportunities at times to to reach those double digit win seasons. And any time that we do that, it's just that much more fun as a fan because you're you're used to that. I, I mean, just go ahead and say it. I mean, mediocrity, as it were. But, but whenever when you get happen, to, you create yes, the fans the, who want more next year. <laughs> right. Unfortunately, the the fair weather fans start to to become more more and more frequent at that point in time. Oh, we're only going to be a fan and we're only going to cheer whenever the team's winning. But as soon as they start going the opposite direction, my God, they're horrible. I'm not going. Who wants my tickets? I mean, (laughs) in the fair weather and bandwagon, just, I mean, they seem to coincide. At least fair weather fans, you know, year Mm -hmm. after year are still constantly going back. Yeah, I mean, early on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm borderline fanatic early in the season, but yeah. once I kind of get a feel for how things are going, I can go ahead and mentally prepare myself, Yeah. Um, which is odd coming from me saying that I'm fanatical about yeah. anything in a capacity. What would um, you call South Carolina the school of? Are as far as sports? School, basketball school? Well-rounded. Well-rounded. Yeah, um, just because the like whenever you're say you're playing a video game mm-hmm. and and you want a they give you like a, a choice, uh, especially like with some of the wrestling games early on. More of certain attributes. You were given yeah. Uh, whenever it comes to the distribution of attributes, you have the brawler, you have the mm-hmm. uh, high, flyer, high flyer, you technical. have the technical yeah. luchador, whatever the case yeah. may be, and. So, and then you have what would be just the the ring specialist. Yes, yeah, ring specialist. They were just overall, they were good in a mm-hmm. little bit of everything. And that's kind of what South Carolina is because they do have multiple championships what, in fo- in uh, baseball. That's what a lot of football fanatics don't want to talk about. No. Is other sports. Is other sports, yeah. Um, she uh, Don St- Don Staley has been able to take uh, Carolina women's basketball to unprecedented heights, mm-hmm. multiple championships in in that aspect, um, multiple Final Four appearances, mm-hmm. um, and now um, like I think back to back women's MVP mm-hmm. in uh, uh, professional basketball, Asia Wilson mm-hmm. with the Las Vegas Aces, and they just won <laughs> the WNBA championship. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we've got stuff co- in uh, getting into things like um, uh, 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 tennis, mm-hmm. soccer, volleyball, golf, rowing, golf, all stuff. like all of these different things, uh, uh, even getting into some of the uh, <laughs> obscure, obscure sports Cornhole. quarterly. Like yes, uh, South Carolina does have national championships in both cornhole and bass fishing. Well run. Yeah, so I mean it's a well-rounded yeah. program, and not only that is the national, or I can't say the national, um, the collegiate student athlete average mm-hmm. GPA is above a three point five. Mm. So I mean, and then a majority, I think it's a ninety-eight, ninety-nine percent. Of mm-hmm. those uh, people actually graduate, yeah. So I mean, the the numbers and the accolades for the school is there, but like I said, you have that that contingent of people that say the only thing that matters is football. Yeah. See, last so, year didn't make us a football school again. I think we're a baseball school. You've become a baseball school <laughs> for the time school. being, and it and it and it ebbs and flows. Yeah, I it mean, works that way. you're going to have the different seasons, but you also have other institutions yeah. that full on, you know, for the majority of the time they are a specific school. Yes, Kentucky, for a lar- by by far to me, I mean, I will always consider a Kentucky basketball a basketball school. school. Yes, just because that's their thing. Right now, they've been on an impressive run with Stoops at the helm as a football, you know, program. Mm-hmm. But once Stoops is gone, once and again, whatever that happens, it's... I'll say this all the time. The fan base gave him the time. Yes. That's what it comes down to. 
Yeah. They gave him the time. A lot of fan bases don't do that. And they don't. Sadly. And it's and I think that he wound up becoming a coach at a very opportune time because of the fact that before everybody got to be so focused on instant gratification that they were okay with giving time or look at it this way we're not really focused on this we're not really paying this coach a whole lot of money to begin with he's not really costing the school anything but then he's able to turn around and develop players and get players of a caliber of an ilk that can help them compete Mm -hmm. in what would be this sec conference and and now he's starting to yeah get a little bit better paycheck and they're getting some better resources and stuff like that but yes because he wasn't really it's almost like the kentucky fan base even was like you know what and that, and I think that's part of it. And one of the things that we're unfortunately fighting at South Carolina is the South Carolina fan base, We've because of Steve years. Spurrier, <laughs> wound up getting so spoiled with those seasons under Spurrier that that we know South Carolina can get to that. We know that that's a possibility. That they're so in tune with trying to to reach that instant gratification saying that oh you the stuff is already in place at South Carolina and and even Beamer has said this that the resources are in place at South Carolina for it to be a contender year after year but since Spurrier has gone we've had what is now two coaches Will Muschamp and now Shane Beamer I think that I blame uh on Tennessee's side, Gen X and the older of my generation, because they were spoiled by Fulmer. In what would have been the decade of dominance. The decade of dominance. So, kind of like with what Spurrier did at South Carolina, he spoiled them. And now we've got this certain age of a fan base who knew that, who saw that, because I was still young. I was, you know, I was still in elementary school. Right. Most, and early middle school mostly during their decade of dominance. So, yeah, I have memories of being at these wild games and I remember 98 vaguely because I was nine years old right so I, I blame a lot of my older generation and the one above us because they saw that decade of dominance and so now they're the ones that are so hard to please right when it comes to Tennessee it's like because they're the the bulk of what the fan base yes, would be right now because they're the bulk and uh, it's sad but we keep pedaling on, and we'll and we'll keep talking about it. But one you'll, you'll get a little bit more level-headedness out of this podcast. Well, true, very true. Well, going back to one of the biggest thorns in almost any college football side, football team side, mm-hmm. uh, whenever it came to the the '90s and getting into the 2000s, being a Mister Steve Spurrier, I'm going to use that as a segue to lead into the actual games for this week. Yes. Because... A couple of big ones. Mr. Spurrier himself has called for an upset... Yes, he ...in has. Jacksonville, saying that the Florida Gators are going to be the t- first team to take down the Georgia Bulldogs in some 700-plus days. 700-plus days. Yes, since the last time Georgia had an L next to their name. It wasn't us. No, that was the uh, championship game. That would have been oh, in the yeah, yeah. SEC championship game. Yeah, because ours was 2016. That's more than 700 days. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Georgia, Florida. Uh, World's largest outdoor cocktail party. I did not know that, that that's what it was called. I thought it was just a thing you, you said. It's at Everbank Stadium in Jacksonville, Florida. What's the, what's the over-under? Right now, that over-under sits at 49. So they're looking at this being a defensive game more than anything else, especially with Georgia not having their number one receiving option in tight end Brock Bowers. Mm. Word is right now that he could possibly be back for like the last couple of games of the season, for the regular season. Um, Possibility, I don't know. But with the stretch that Georgia currently faces, 
I know that they're going to be missing him, mm-hmm. but Georgia, like Alabama, has they been really for several years, has the talent there. They just need it to step up. Yeah. But does Florida catch lightning in a bottle after having a week off, after coming off of the high of getting the second road win ever in Billy Napier's uh, short career here at what would be University of Florida? Um, over under at 49 Right, the line right now, uh, Georgia is favored by 14 and a half points. Uh, I really don't know. I, this one for me, and and of course the the dynamic of what the SEC race. This one is one of those that is going to determine, you know, a, a, a number one, number two. Which I don't think Georgia's going to drop out of what would be the number one spot after this. I mean, in the SEC East, that is. No. Um, if Florida does get the win, I mean, yeah, you'll be looking at the same. Uh, uh, well, Georgia having uh, um, zero losses on the schedule except for this one, I guess technically would keep them ahead of Florida in the SEC East rankings. But then you look at the fact that Georgia still has to play Kentucky, Ole Miss, and Tennessee. An Ole Miss game could be. That Yeah, that's another one that can really, really not go Georgia's way, and it could be right here in the tail end of the season that that It would be crazy you see, to see them lose two out of the next four in the tail end of their season. And then at that point, you've got them basically, and you would need Florida to lose to someone else in the SEC for it to, to be – a fight. Even yeah. in a fight kind of across more um, without somebody getting in on that east side in a technicality. Um, and they only have Florida at a 14.8% chance of winning. Yeah, but I, I don't that, – that crowd is split 50-50. I mean, because Georgia travels well. And, I mean, yeah, the Florida is not uh, faithful. Aren't having to travel that far. However, yeah. I mean – like I said, they sell the tickets 50-50 right down the middle. Georgia is allotted half. Florida's allotted half. And you can literally look at the stadium and see uh, a sea of blue on one side and a sea of red on the other That's for crazy. these games. Yeah, Because I mean, clearly I've, I've never tuned into this game. Like, Oh, it's, I, it's, I don't care. It's a spectacle to behold, but, but then you've got the, the, the Florida-Georgia line basically. Yeah is is the the stomping grounds and you've got dogs and gators tailgating rather vehemently closely uh, together closely together <laughs> well before the the game gets started um looking at some of the stats for this one and i don't want to go to into in detail with many of the games other than our own individual ones but this one since it is such since there is a lot riding on it um yards passing Georgia has more. Yards rushing. Florida is barely behind Georgia. Yards allowed. Florida has still allowed more yards. I mean, Florida is going to have to change some of their individual stats exponentially to beat Georgia. Mertz has to be on like he's never been on before. Oh, for sure. This He's going to have to turn in a game better than what the South Carolina yeah, game was. This is a – this is – we need to see if Florida's serious. If this is a serious Florida. Yeah. And it's the feel of the 90s Florida. If it's that kind of Florida, this is the game they show it. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, so much to the fact that I actually am not going to – if I were betting on this game personally, I'm not going to go the over-under on this one. No. Um – and if I did go the over-under, I'd say that it's going to be more than 49 in this game. Uh, but I think Florida is going to cover. Okay. Give me Florida to cover in this cover one. Spread. I think it's going to be that much of a knockdown, drag-out fight. Um, Georgia's the only one that's like... They're having to play with a, a, a purpose in this one. Florida, mm-hmm. yeah, they can go out. Yeah, they'd be able to do some stuff. But they don't have to like... They're not having to worry about anything. Georgia's having to worry about the fact that they may lose that game and may get kicked out of the 
you know, contention. See, that's the thing is with you, the games that they have coming up. If you're remaining at the top, on the schedule, you've got more to worry about than the people below you. Yeah. You have so much more baggage on your shoulders when you're at the top, especially if you're looking target on the back. Baggage if you're on the looking shoulders for a three three peat. A three peat, like the, so many people are yeah. claiming that Georgia has the capacity to do. Yeah. So that is a three thirty kickoff. Yep, three thirty kickoff. CBS. Uh, if you're interested in trying to go to the game, and I honestly wouldn't think that there's any tickets available, but it says here on ESPN that you could potentially buy tickets as low as fifty eight dollars. That's crazy to think. I think parking <laughs> would be around $50, yeah. 60 bucks for this yeah. game. Uh, but, yeah, uh, supposed to be really nice, of course. Like we said, down in Jacksonville, mid-afternoon kickoff. Uh, be finishing up just On as the sun's day. getting ready to start uh, to set. I bet it's going to be a beautiful game. I bet it is a beautiful uh, game. Speaking of the next, uh, I guess, highest implications in terms of the SEC East hierarchy uh, would be Tennessee's game against Kentucky as the Vols travel to <laughs> Lexington to Kroger Field to take on the Wildcats. Current line in that game, Tennessee is favored by three and a half, with the over/under on that one setting at fifty-one and a half. Unless Ray Davis like goes off like he did a few weeks back, which I don't see happening against crazy the that Tennessee front. Since we said that, since Ray Davis had his game, and we were like, Ray Davis, he really we talked has all it. about him. He These really last has few it. games. He hasn't yeah. gone off again. Volunteer rushing attack is definitely mm. going to have to step back up. Uh, I think that the offensive front for Tennessee is going to give Milton enough time to be able to make some decent decisions. However, we're still what concerned about his are. accuracy <laughs> uh, and stuff would be, especially not so much the accuracy, but the touch, the finesse on the shorter routes yeah. and the, the screen passes and stuff like that because you know without a doubt he's going to be able to hit the long bomb or, you know, giving his receivers the opportunity to go up and get the 50-50 ball. Yeah. But those touch passes are ones that still yet are plaguing the volunteers. Mm-hmm. So hopefully between the, the rushing attack, you can set up some play action to be able to take those deep shots, those deep verticals, mm-hmm. and and be able to take it. Personally, you know, I really don't care for either one of these teams uh, in terms of, of fandom in any capacity. Mm-hmm. So I... Yeah, it's whatever. I will say that the tickets for this game are more expensive if you're looking to get a late ticket than what the Georgia Florida game is, and you can get tickets for as low as seventy-two dollars here. That's weird, um, but that may be part of the Mark Stoops' attempt at getting more money for being able to get better players there in Kentucky. Yeah, is that we're just going to go ahead and up the ticket price, up a bit. the ticket pricing just a little bit. But what's your thoughts on this one? You know, in our illustrious long rivalry with Kentucky. It's crazy to think that we have a better rivalry with Kentucky than we do our own in-state Vandy. Uh, Because you know you see a lot of programs that have great in-state rivalries. You know I actually found a rivalry that was a Kentucky-Tennessee rivalry in terms of a a non-traditional trophy that they played for. What? The beer barrel. Just happened to pop up the other day, and if I'm not mistaken, and I'll look this up while you continue on yeah. your thoughts, of course, about this game. I think that we are a nervous fan base right now. The thing is, is we, since our to our second loss came much earlier in the season than we needed it to. Uh, we are a very nervous fan base because you know that. Repeating that 11-2 and two is obviously a lot of people's hopes this year as a fan base. Like I said, at the beginning of the season, I was more realistically 9-3. and three, Right. Which is also a great season, considering we're still rebuilding. I think that Tennessee has to play better ball all four quarters against Kentucky than we did against Bama. Yes, we opened up very strongly. But that second half team that didn't do squat against Bama, that has to be a one and done. That looked like a a Butch Jones team. Uh, and I know that Majors was also very, very prominent about well, we're up by three. Now let's just play managing defense. Right. You know, just, just manage it. No. Like, that's not a team you can 
No. You know, no, 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 and, no. and I think, I firmly believe, no team you play at no should point be should a you let team. off the gas. Absolutely yeah. not. Like I know there are a lot of people who like get upset at, at teams like running up the scoreboard and Georgia reason. for running up the you don't let off the gas. No. I'd be the same kind of coach. Because, like, I mean, no, you're giving don't. the other team the opportunity to be able to get within striking distance. And any football team, especially in the SEC, especially in the FBS, uh, your higher FCS teams, if you give them an inch, they can and will take a mile. So I hope that we learned a lesson last week and we keep our foot on the gas. If we score... As early as we did last week? Yes. And continue? Keep going. I want the ball. I want you to then look at your defense and say, give me the ball back. Right. I want it again. Get, I want go. the ball back now. I don't want a lot of resting time. I want to black their eye mm-hmm. and knock out a tooth. And when they come out in the half, we're going to continue to black their eye and knock out another tooth. We're not going to manage. <laughs> so they can look like a majority of the Alabama fan base? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, the barrel. The Kentucky-Tennessee game once involved a trophy, a wooden beer barrel painted half blue, half orange, which is awarded to the winner of the game every year from 1925 to 1997. Wow. I wonder why we stopped that. I'm glad you asked. The tradition remained until before the 1998 season when the beer barrel was shelved after two college students, including a UK player, were killed in an alcohol-related crash. A Kentucky player with a reported BAC content of 0.15, almost two times over the legal limit, was driving. God. But yeah, there's actually some stuff in here where it was talked about as recently as June 22nd of this year. Asking, is it finally time to bring back the beer barrel trophy? And it probably was not originated as a beer barrel probably because like it was barrel. probably a bourbon or whiskey barrel because of the, the fight between Kentucky bourbon and Tennessee whiskey. Do you want to know who the last person to hoist the beer barrel trophy was? Peyton Manning. You got it. In 97, they won that game, and Peyton Manning was the last person to hoist. Well, let me tell the beer you. barrel trophy. They should bring it back. They should make it the bourbon barrel. And I know a distillery in Tennessee that would happily supply the barrel. Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> so if you work for the University of Tennessee or UK Athletics and you guys are looking for a new barrel to, to represent the Kentucky-Tennessee rivalry, the beer barrel game, or the barrel game, we are more than happy to oblige. And if there's if, not a copyright on it, I think we should call it the Bourbon Bowl. Well, you remember that time the Mud Dogs come back and won the Bourbon Bowl, do you? <laughs> Moving along, 7 p.m. kickoff for that game. It is on ESPN. Temperature at kickoff is supposed to be 55 degrees in Kentucky and in Kroger Field it in feels Kroger more like Field, 30. where yes that temperature can definitely feel a lot lower than what it actually is Vols by 14 two touchdown mm-hmm. two touchdown favorite according to T-Mac yes I'm going to say that we're going over 51 and a half points on this one okay I don't think I want to touch the spread uh, but I think between and I think it's going to be running like, I think this is a situation where you're going to have running backs. The stable running backs for Tennessee and Ray Davis are going to have a field day yes. at Kroger Field. Mm-hmm. Uh, give me Tennessee to win. I think it is going to be uh, over 51.5 points. Could be a fun running game. Could be. Could be very much so. Moving on, uh, since we just got through with the Volunteers, time to head on over toward the Gamecocks who are traveling to College Station, to Kyle Field in Texas, for a noon kickoff. 60 degrees at kickoff. Texas A&M right now sits as a 16-point favorite on ESPN. That's probably one of the more favorable scores or uh, variances in terms of the spread for this game. I think some other uh, places have got Texas A&M favored by more. Uh, Over-under on this game is currently setting at 52.5. 
my main concern and what it has been all season this year is the South Carolina offensive line. It is patchwork on top of patchwork on top of patchwork. It was patchwork to begin with with transfers and youth and and you know people are getting hurt. Mm-hmm. Multiple starters on the line have gotten hurt. I think it was six or seven out of the room for the offensive line are down due to injuries. And you've got the same line as basically having to play the entire game. And and they're just they're beat up. <laughs> I mean, that's all there really is to it. So unless, you know, they can really find a way to be able to get the ball into the playmaker's hands, out of Rattler's hands, basically right after it gets snapped, like, he gets the ball in his hands and he turns around, doesn't even have time to look like they know who they're throwing to, just taking those chances in that capacity. Uh, it's going to be a long day Saturday. Um, with this being a noon game, I think that might be uh, at any point in time if the wife and I are going to be doing anything this weekend, we're going to get started at that time. Uh, just so that way I'm not going to have to put myself through that torture. I'd rather it be a situation where I just look at the scores at the end of the day and if the Gamecocks win, I'll go back and watch a replay of it to see exactly how it played out. Um, but, yeah, that's that's my thoughts in this one. If we have gone off of the uh, are not so repetitively correct uh, um, gauge or meter, um, there is no indicators as far as any of the Texas A&M players in terms of their accolades. Everything is coming up South Carolina on this one. In the past, whenever that happens. You have a better quarterback. Yes. Texas A&M starting quarterback Connor Wegman, who actually came in uh, and played against South Carolina last year, uh, late, if I'm not mistaken, um, gave the Aggies an opportunity to come back in that game, but it was the the opening kickoff touchdown that, that set the tone and that basically was the major difference in that game from last year. If we don't have that same type of play this year, I think that A&M with home field advantage, with the the talent and bodies that they have, honestly, is going to have the, the upper hand. But any given Saturday, the reason we play the game. I will tell you, you can beat them with special teams on the experience. Well, the last four games, they have given up a non-offensive score to the last four teams that they've played. To look out down at their uh, yards allowed. Uh, A&M has only allowed 277.9, and uh, about 90% of that was Tennessee against them. Right. 235 yards (laughs) Um, in one game. I think South Carolina has a better quarterback. We beat the tar out of Wagman. If your defense gets to him, he goes down. I'm and telling you, he. I mean, he'll get back up. I'm glad that you, as a volunteer fan, have more faith in the Gamecocks than I do right now. I it's definitely you, like appreciated. Wagman will get back up and keep playing as much as you can. Right. But if you can get to him, if you can get past that, even one of their front seven, you can take him down. Um, I'm hoping that's the case because we haven't had the best of luck, and of course, as you mentioned in the the pre-recording in the just sitting around chatting mm. uh xavier mcleod defensive end yes. for south carolina has been dismissed from the team um little speculation going multiple ways as to the reasoning behind it um i'm not really going to get into it the folks on the gamecock side of things if you want to look into it you're more than welcome to um but basically the only thing that i am going to say on this is that he did go into the office with Beamer, and they sat down, had a meeting. Beamer called uh, his parents. They had a conference call all together, and after everything was said and done, it was just ultimately decided as the best thing for the program, for everyone involved, that he just be dismissed from the team. And and that just leads me to believe in a situation to where, with the way that people were acting as far as part of this, uh, and some things that have come up on social media. There's been some things come out from the kid's parents. 
he's actually wound up, you know, talking back to some of the the people who have no knowledge of what's going on and things like that. It's just leading me down the road to believe without things being out and out said that it just came more down to a business decision and I feel that you're going to start seeing a lot more of these things happening as the the world of NIL progresses yeah. and and it gets to be basically more of a situation where these kids are treated like professionals and as employees to the individual institutions to the different schools yeah and and if you're not producing or if you're being insubordinate then <laughs> we're not going to pay you for not doing anything exactly you would handle the same uh, the same way as our manager here at the distillery you would handle things the same way you know that, yeah you know uh that i am a type of person whenever i look at someone who is not performing up to their mm-hmm. their expectations that i give them probably more opportunities more than anyone than that that should be at any point in time but i do so in hopes that someone could mm-hmm. you know make a change or or realize what they're not doing um through coaching through mm-hmm. and i use the term coaching i like to try to think of myself as a head coach of yeah. a program in the way that i address a, a majority of the things around here and that i would prefer you to to learn from your mistakes mm-hmm. and grow and develop and then you know teach you or at least tell you instruct you yes. on how things should be done but i can't do them for you yeah you have to make the change you have to put in the work you have to you know do the stuff and also, if it's a situation to where here is not going to be the right fit for you, I have no problem in writing a letter of recommendation or mm-hmm. making a phone call or mm-hmm. taking a phone call and answering truthfully mm-hmm. any questions that get asked in a legal sense because whenever you know uh, um, someone does go to another job, you're only allowed to answer certain questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as what pertains to their previous work, you really can't give any kind of personal opinions anymore yeah. with that type of stuff. However, you can explain from your side what the situation, circumstances, and things like that were in terms of, you know, was this person late? Did this person show good work ethic? Did this, you know, yes, we can answer those questions as yes or no answers. Mm-hmm. But for me to say, well, I don't think this person, blah, 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 no, you can't do that. And, and much like, you know, uh, a head coach for a football program, you're, you're a, a cancer or, or a toxin mm-hmm. for what I'm trying to do here. You're, you're not a bad person, per se. I just, I don't need that here Absolutely. with what I'm trying to do. And if you want to go somewhere else, I'm not going to hold that against you. Yeah. I don't care to, you know answer a coach's question whenever he calls me and asks me you know did this person do this what was this person's type of work ethic mm-hmm. you know this is what it came down to and and i'm willing to help them move on their way but i'm not going to continue to do anything to to cause my house my yes, your place of business my team to to ha- have a, a a blemish in absolutely. that aspect on it so absolutely but uh, like I said, I definitely appreciate your your uh, enthusiasm, your 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 candor. Give me South towards. Carolina by a tutter. All right, that um if if you do, if South Carolina does win this one, uh, because you know you as a volunteer fan uh, went for the gusto, I will I will treat you to a, a more than fast food lunch. <laughs> come Monday uh, if if that is the case getting away from this one and trying to go ahead and wrap up what is going to be the SEC because we have two games left for the SEC to cover and I'm going to give you the option or, or we can just do both really quickly um, because there are two games outside of the SEC that hold about the same amount of weight in their respective conferences as mm-hmm. um Georgia and Florida does for the SEC, and that's going to be one from the Pac-12 and one from the ACC. Okay. Um, but moving on, Mississippi State travels to Auburn, going to Jordan-Hare Stadium. Kickoff at 3.30. Beautiful 68 degrees, but they are anticipating rain for that game. 
Current line sets at Auburn as a six and a half point favorite with the over under for that game at 41 points. I don't think it's going to reach that many. Current standings Mississippi State sets four and three on the season, one and three in conference. Auburn three and four on the season, 0 and four in SEC play. Hugh Freeze isn't doing all that great in his first season. Um, mm. I do think that Auburn is going to be able to take the win over Mississippi State in this one. I don't think it's going to be a six-and-a-half-point game. I would honestly take Mississippi State with the points in that one uh, or saying that it is going to be over 41 points. I don't think the defenses for either one of these teams are really going to be able to get it done. It is going to come down to a shootout. And I think you're going to wind up seeing uh, Will Rogers do work yeah. against the Auburn secondary, uh, and it's probably going to be Auburn's rushing attack uh, more than anything else. It's going to wind up getting them points scored. I'm probably shooting myself in the foot as far as, you know, if I had to pick over-under, I'd say over the 41. But I don't know. Instant gut feeling, but my gut feeling in a lot of these things has not panned out the best. Both coaches... Uh Having a tough year with their team. Very but much both so. Both coaches also in their first seasons. Yes, so. and previously, going back to Steve Spurrier, he's got an award, the Steve Spurrier First Year SEC Head Coach Award. Mm. Those are the two two first year head coaches. Like right now, I mean, Mississippi State has four wins, Auburn has three. I, I, I'm picking Auburn to win this one. I mean, if that is what happens, you've got both teams sitting at four victories for the season. Yeah. And if neither one of them make it to a bowl game, then how do you justify awarding either one of those teams a trophy or either one of those coaches a trophy whenever they didn't weren't able to do anything yeah. in their first year to, to even get to 500? Right now, this is a uh, – Mississippi State, Auburn, and Arkansas are in a battle to figure out who's going to be the bottom of the SEC. And right now, unfortunately, it's Arkansas, mm-hmm. even behind these two. Um, Mississippi State has the opportunity to be able to make sure that they're third from the bottom as opposed to second from the bottom at this yeah. point, it seems like. But, I mean, I hate it. At least over on you know the east side this year, it's – South Carolina and Vanderbilt that's going to be the battle of the bottom dwellers, which, I mean, I've been in that position before. It's not uncommon mm-hmm. ground to me. But, yeah, there's definitely a lot tighter battle on the eastern side of things as opposed to the west this year. Uh, and the only cross-division game for this – or, no, sorry, the second cross-division game for this weekend, uh, of course, South Carolina Texas A&M being the uh, first one, is you do have Vanderbilt traveling to Vaught-Hemingway Stadium in Oxford, Mississippi for a 7.30 kickoff on the SEC Network. Currently, the line is in favor of Ole Miss by 24.5 points. Over-under in that game is currently at 63. I'm definitely more inclined to take the under on this one just because I think it's going to be a situation where Ole Miss doesn't have to score as many points. Yeah. And you will see a bit more control toward what would be the end of the game in the fact that, that Ole Miss already has this secured and well in hand. Yeah. They may be using this, this, which no one should look at an SEC team at any point in time, like you said earlier, yeah. and say, oh, I, I can you know try some things in this game or mm-hmm. I can maybe use some personnel that I, I probably wouldn't yeah. have. Yeah, I mean, if you're up by 35 points in the halfway through the third quarter, sure, go ahead and let some of the youth, you know, yeah. get some experience and stuff like that. But it, you know, like I said, I just at 63 points, I think that's just way too high. Thinking that Vanderbilt is going to, because basically, I mean, if you look at this over under sitting at 63, you say Mississippi or Ole Miss in this case is going to win by 24 and a half points. Take the 63 minus the 24, and you're looking at, what, 39 points? You're saying that Vandy has the capacity of... 39 points. Yeah. Or not even that, but you take that, subtract it, and then basically, yeah, you're looking at Vanderbilt potentially having scored three touchdowns or more in this capacity. Yeah. And I just... 
could it happen? Yes. The the odds and likelihood of it happening minimal. Under sixty three, Mississippi State or sorry, Ole Miss probably does cover in this one. Yeah. Especially as they prepare to take on Georgia in a couple of weeks. Yeah. So. That takes care of everything as far as the SEC is concerned. And like I started saying a few moments ago, we actually do have two games to be able to discuss if we wanted to do both games that have uh, in their own right some very high implications for the respective conferences. And that being number eight, Oregon, traveling to Salt Lake City to take on the Utah Utes. Number eight, Oregon. Number 13, Utah. Both six and one overall. Both three and one in the Pac 12. One of them's got to lose. And of course, the loser will, you know, have a, a much tougher road, as mm-hmm. it were, uh, traveling to the Pac 12 championship. And the other one is going to be Duke and Louisville. Uh, number 20, Duke, heads to Cardinal Stadium in Louisville, Kentucky to take on the Cardinals. Five and two, uh, Duke. Six and one, Louisville. Uh, two and one, ACC. Three and one, ACC, respectively, as far as those games. But with the way it sits, it, it could definitely have a, a a profound outcome on you know the way the ACC shapes up, especially for that particular uh, side of the ball. With the fact that Louisville does only have that one loss. Same with Duke. Um, in the in the uh, conference, uh, but Duke, of course, already has two regular losses mm-hmm. on the season. So, uh, uh, like I said, a, a lot of implications for the uh, Pac-12 and for the the ACC in terms of who may be going to their championship games, and just some other random little tidbit. Top twenty-five Sun Belt school, James Madison is now ranked at number 25 in the country. Take your pick. Which one do you want to... Let's discuss them both. All right, cool deal. Well, first off, let's look at the Mm -hmm. Oregon-Utah. Like I said, that is going to be a 3.30 kickoff on Fox. Oregon right now sitting at a a 6.5 point favorite. Over-under for this game sitting at 47.5. Basically saying that this is going to be a defensive ball game and they give the... The Ducks just enough, just enough saying that they they may may be able to get a, a late possession score. Yeah, I would like to see the Utes upset Oregon. Um, they've the Utes have definitely uh, had themselves quite a season. For sure, I mean, Pulling starting off the season that they weren't favored to beat. Yeah, and I've, I've never really had issues with the Utes. Kind of a supporter of them in the past few years because of the the growth they've had. I love to see and and obviously in aspects outside of Tennessee football I like to see an underdog uh, get a victory. Oh for sure. When they're not when they're not favored to. Here's one in one way that this is not an underdog type game. You know how we've mentioned in several of the other games you can get tickets as low as mm-hmm. You know what the as low as for this game is? It sits at one of the highest I've seen, at $106. Wow. Yeah, just to put it in perspective, we had the Georgia-Florida game. They were showing tickets for that one as low as, let me pull this back up here real quick, just double check, $58. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tennessee game as low as $72. Vanderbilt Ole Miss game as low as $22. Mississippi State-Auburn as low as $22. South Carolina, Texas A&M as low as $20 to be able wow. to go see this game. And looking around the rest of the top 25, Florida uh, State, Wake Forest, $30. Oklahoma, Kansas, $30. This is a new low. Indiana and Penn State as low as $10. Wow. Uh, BYU, Texas at 31 Oregon and Utah at 106 Pittsburgh, Notre Dame at 30 Duke, Louisville at 42 Tulane, Rice, 17 uh, USC and uh, this is funny. It's California battle, uh, full-on West Coast battle as University of Southern Ta- California takes on Cal. Tickets as low as thirty-one dollars. Washington Stanford twenty-one dollars. Air Force Colorado State. Can we talk about that for just a second? That we've got uh, basically like 
almost two service schools, mm-hmm. James Madison and Air Force, ranked in the top 25 and both undefeated currently. Mm-hmm. Both sitting at 7-0. and One out of the Mountain West and the other one out of the Sun Belt. Go Air Force. Go Air Force. Uh, Ohio State, Wisconsin tickets as low as $27. Vandy Ole Miss, 22 Colorado, UCLA, New High at $132. North Carolina and Georgia Tech at 24. Old Dominion and James Madison at 45. New Low, Oregon State, who is currently ranked number 11, and Arizona as low as $8. There are meals at McDonald's more expensive than, more expensive than a ticket to Oregon State, Arizona right now. Oh. Real quick, before we got to get out of here for the day, I know you're talking about Oregon, Utah, wanting to see the fact that Utah, being mm-hmm. the the underdog in this one, come out with a victory. Uh, I'm going back with my thought process and the fact that the Ducks have too many damn uniforms. Give me the Utes. The Utes are going to cover. They are going to have a touchdown or more in this one. With the over-under, I say it will be under that 47.5. The other one being Duke and Louisville. Duke at 20, Louisville at 18. Louisville is a 5.5-point favorite over-under on this game. 46.5. Thoughts? Mm, I'm going to negate what I just said about underdogs. Yes. Because I don't like Duke. (laughs) So... And I think it's when it comes to blue, you are a Kentucky blue, comes, not a not yeah. a Duke blue. And it comes, I think, from being a Kentucky basketball fan growing up. I understand that. I um, get that. And and you know, because that's where mom went to school, and she was a cheerleader, and they were always kind of our second team as a family. Uh, so watching them in basketball for so many years, and it coming down while growing up sometimes to Kentucky Duke, also just. I just have never really found myself being a fan of any Duke sports. But, yeah, uh, give me Louisville. I hope to see them win uh, because even though she went to Kentucky, Louisville is actually where she was born. So she's also partially a Cards fan when they're not playing Kentucky. (laughs) Marrying into a Midwest family. Mm -hmm. I married into a uh, a Bears-Cubs family. Mm Mm-hmm. And, of course, the Cubs always to hell with St. Louis, to Mm. hell with the Cardinals, Mm. to hell with these Cardinals. (laughs) Give me Duke in this one. And the reason I'm going for Duke is because of Riley Leonard's mom. Riley Leonard. Riley Leonard is the quarterback for the Duke Blue Devils. Okay. Do you know how she gives him inspiration? How? Constantly tells him he sucks. Jesus. Yes. Riley Leonard's mom constantly sends him text messages, I love you but you suck or you suck but I love you and that's what he uses as his inspiration as his fuel to play the games and so far it's done them a a world of good for this year something Um, about that seems toxic though I mean there is a a degree of it I'm not going to deny that in any capacity um, but yeah, I mean his his career stats so far this year he's at a sixty point six completion rate, not his highest. Last year, of course, was his highest. He is sitting at nine hundred eighty one yards for the year, six and a half or six point nine yards average, three touchdowns, two interceptions, uh, with a long of thirty four. But it's been their ground game that's really been doing a majority of the work. Like I said, I just think <laughs> because of this one and and taking the different road in it then that's the reason i'm taking the different road is because riley leonard's mom that's crazy the last one that i want to say anything about uh is actually honestly just the air force and the the james madison is i hope they continue to win out uh air force taking on colorado state they're ranked 19th currently in the country 7-0 overall 4-0 mountain west and then james madison Mm -hmm. currently 7-0 uh, 4-0 in the Sun Belt, taking on Old Dominion. Those are the type of underdogs like Cincinnati, TCU. I know they're not going to have enough time to be able to climb up the ranks to be able to get into the college football <coughs> playoff contention just because they were so far down the list to begin with for this year. And and whenever it comes to some of those polls, I think it's just complete garbage. Mm-hmm. Um because they are looked down on being in the Sun Belt, being in the the Mountain West. 
do they have a place in what would be the the main college football playoff as this is? Possibly. Uh, I mean, you see what happened to TCU last year, and if you know these teams would be, I think TCU would be able to beat either one of these teams mm-hmm. during that time. That's the type of thing that it would be. And with that being the case, I really don't think they should be considered in what would be the this top 25. Yeah. Just because, you know, the, at a certain point there needs to be a, a, a difference yeah. or division in what this top 25 and another top 25 yeah. would be. Um, just because of the fact that, yes, they are a uh, Power 5 school, but it's not working, bro. Yeah, it's it's really not, and you will wind up with those busted things like TCU versus Georgia for a national championship, and then you've got a national championship forty plus point victory, and that's not a national championship game. That's not a, a quality game mm. to watch in any capacity. Uh, my guilty pleasure game that I'm gonna go with because I am subtly a fan of the Wolf Pack, NC State. Who are they taking on? Hopefully they're upsetting Clemson this weekend. Ooh, yes. <laughs> One of those things that out of sight, out of mind yeah. with the, the other orange yeah, but orange team. Tie records. Here, here. They're both four and, and three. Um, yeah, Clemson, and they're going to Raleigh for this game. Clemson is a nine-and-a-half-point favorite, but uh, I'm with you. <laughs> Give me the Wolfpack to take this one. Four and three overall. Uh, two and three ACC and one and two ACC. Of course, North Carolina State looks like they're getting ready to get into the meat of their mm-hmm. uh, conference matchups. But it would uh, be a fun Monday episode. It would be a fun also Monday come episode in and say, you know what, Wolfpack's in the house. They also beat Clemson this year. <laughs> that would be nice. It'd be nice. And hopefully, saying the same thing once we get to the end of the season and South Carolina takes them to the woodshed once again hopefully being more than just a one-point victory in yeah. this capacity guys that just about wraps it up for this episode of the cocky top podcast this saturday of course is going to be or this weekend will probably be the release of the first listing and round of college football playoff standings mm-hmm. after this weekend uh definitely going to get to see what the early picture of that's going to look like more than likely looking at Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and uh, FSU, Florida State at this point in time being mm-hmm. the top four uh, going against each other. And if I had to guess, it would probably have Georgia going up against Michigan, Ohio State going up against Florida State. I could be wrong in that. Um, it's usually one, three, two, and 4, so if mm-hmm. that's the case, you'd be looking at Georgia, Ohio State, and Michigan versus the uh, Seminoles. So, and if that's the case, I Ohio honestly State would take... They do not want more of that SEC. They do not want to go against another. They don't. And and with that being the case, I honestly would take Florida State to go to the National if that was the case at this point. Yeah, by the way it's looking at it, I would say your National Championship is Georgia-Florida State. I'm going to disagree on the Georgia part, yes, Florida State. I don't think Georgia survives the rest of the season. Really? I really don't. Yes, they have the star power, the firepower on that squad. There's just been so much that's happened so far this year with Georgia that leads me to believe that that would not be the case. No. I think between Florida, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Ole Miss. There are two losses there. There are at least two losses somewhere in that it would be or or if or even if they only lose one of those games and still manage to go to the ship for Mm -hmm. sec i don't think they win and that being the case they don't go to the they don't three cfp and they don't three peat no wow well guys on behalf of all of all t-mac tyler mcdaniel i am forever to the gamecock brian lowe And we will see you Monday on the review show for the Cocky Top Podcast.
Rock and roll.